When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to the latest edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I go through uh, five questions about the Cleveland Browns. So I throw out five questions and we discuss them. Everything from what position group we would want to steal from an AFC North team, what position group AFC North teams would want to steal from the Browns, to... Uh, if there were a Browns player who could win Rookie of the Year, who could it be? We cover all sorts of things here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, this is where I tell you about Football Insider, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, final OTA week this week, minicamp coming up next week. It's a great time to get on board. Uh, you get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. You get to be one of our text subscribers. And of course, you'll get access to those exclusive subscriber-only stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. So just go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info, get signed up. All right, here we go. The latest edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, five questions about the Cleveland Browns. And here we go on our weekend Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I got five questions here, Browns questions that we're going to throw out there. Uh, Some division related, some just Browns related. Uh, But let's just start here. Let's look at the AFC North and some position groups. And the first question or statement, pick one position group from the AFC North to add to the Browns. So any position group, you get to take that full position group. It becomes that Browns position group, Mary Kay. What do you think? What, what one position group in the division would you take and stick on the Browns roster? Well, you know, I'm going to go uh, real specific and say uh, defensive tackles, and I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackles and add them onto the Cleveland Browns. Could you imagine Cam Hayward in a Browns uniform on that defensive line? I mean, seriously, I was hearing uh, Cam Hayward talk yesterday about um, believing and feeling like he's right up there. Uh, with Aaron Donald and that Aaron Donald shouldn't be in a class all of his own because Cam feels that he believes that he's that good. And I think he's really, really amazing. Now, Aaron Donald, amazing. Aaron Donald always gets, uh, you know, the big numbers, but uh, Cam is not far behind. And I think that's one area on the Cleveland Browns that uh, if they had to add a superstar guy like that, that's, you know, that's the place I would go. That is not a, what I was thinking, but Ashley, now that I'm like closing my eyes and that imagining is- Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett, and Cam Hayward, it's like, oh yeah, that would be a really good defensive line. Yeah. I am going to go to my backups here now, because that was my idea. And, and to remind people, Cam Hayward, when we did our Ohio state or Buckeye talk, orange and brown talk crossover pod and drafted Ohio state players currently in the NFL. He went like top four or five, right? Like he was one of the first guys off the board. He went pretty high. Um, And that would just be really formidable. And I think like, as you kind of go through the Browns position position groups and like measure them against other, other teams after the offseason moves, the Browns made this year, like defensive tackle is still that, that first one that comes to mind that, 
you know, the Browns have some room to improve. It's a wide open position battle for them right now. Um, and obviously we've talked about it time and time again, their defensive grades from PFF were just so, so low this year, the Browns at, at that position. Those guys were all towards the bottom uh, of the team ranking. So uh, I think Mary Kay, this was the, this was the top pick for me as well. So, okay. So I I'm, stole something from you. I, you did. I finally, you finally did. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually surprised by this because I didn't even think about this. This wasn't even like on my list. And part of that is maybe I was thinking like defensive line as a whole. And mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking as specifically mm-hmm. as defensive tackle. I'm really surprised this was your guys' first two choices. That's mm. interesting to me. I'll tell you what mine is. And you can tell me if I change your mind. Give me Cincinnati's receiving core. That was my second one. Yeah, that was my second one. I don't have another one. Those were the two. (laughs) I I just think like, and this is obviously nothing against Amari Cooper, but once you get past Amari Cooper, there's a pretty significant drop-off when when we talk about Browns receivers. Jamar Chase is probably the best receiver in the division. And then you throw in T. Higgins, um, I'm, I'm blanking on who else they even have, but, but you take that whole receiving core and just stick it with the Browns. I, I think Deshaun Watson would throw for 5,000 yards um, with, with that, yeah. with that specific group of receivers. Um, so give, give me that group on this Browns offense with Nick Chubb running the football. Um, I, I just think that, the things you, that you can accomplish there again, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd was, was the one I was, I was forgetting as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a really good group out in Tate. Even I, I'm not sure if he's still there, but um, they've just got so much depth there. Yeah. My thinking with this one was literally to take them just to get to Jamar Chase, you know, and it's not a bad receiver where they had combined last year, uh, the fourth highest, I think receiving grade in the NFL, the Bengals did. So um, I, I really like this, this pick. And again, like you said, Dan, no, no disrespect to Amari Cooper or anything, but Jamar Chase has just been so good and he's so young. Um, he's exciting to watch and 1800 yards last year, whatever it was it's like, you can't argue with that. So, uh, that's why this was my second pick. And I, I'm not joking. I don't have a backup after this. I did not think you would take this. Yeah, this was, I actually wrote it down first. Uh, I wrote Bengals receivers down first. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. Uh, and then I started to think, but what position on the Browns do they need even more than that? Because I think they can get the job done at receiver uh, with Deshaun Watson throwing the ball to Amari Cooper and, and the young guys that they have. And who knows uh, you know, if they still will add someone or not at this point. It doesn't seem to be something they're interested in doing, but certainly those Bengals receivers uh, are that number one AFC North position group really that does stand out after the quarterbacks. So it absolutely did come to my mind. Then I, then I thought about it a little more and I thought, but if I were building the Browns and would needed to fortify a position more so than any other and could find pluck somebody else out of the AFC North, uh, where would I go? what would I do? So I actually think, although I love this choice, Dan, and almost made it myself, I think I would still stick with uh, plugging Cam in there in the middle of that line. And I feel like that would make a bigger difference on the Brown season. Yeah. You, you two are, are kind of filling a need. I'm like yeah. leveling up. That's yeah. Sort of, that's sort of the difference. Is, yes, is, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So <clears throat> flipping this on its head, 
I'm curious, what do you think, what position group, and I guess you could pick any team in the North if you wanted to apply it to a specific team, but what position group do the Browns have that other AFC North teams might covet? It's a good one. This is a good question. You, you go I'll, this. I'll tell you, you what mine is. Okay, you go, Dan. The Browns secondary in Pittsburgh. Okay. Like with, with that front, and then you put that secondary, which is, you know, in Pittsburgh, the secondary has been a little up and down. And, uh, yeah. you know, Joe Hayden is still floating out there in free agency. And, and they're always kind of trying to figure out, like, you know, the, it just always seems like their corners are a little bit of a question mark. Um, so, you know, obviously they have Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, but we're, we're giving them everybody. Um, so the Browns secondary in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I like that. Case Cincinnati too. Either of those two teams taking the Browns secondary. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. The Browns secondary, I really do think it, it's shaping up to be one of the best in the NFL. They have to get their hands on some interceptions this year, and uh, we saw JJ three get one the other day um, in seven on sevens. It was off of Deshaun Watson, but still, those guys are uh, really making it a point of emphasis to get some of those uh, because they were way down the list last year in interceptions. And it is weird because they do have so many good defensive backs. You would expect that they would have more, but anyway, so yes, uh, this is definitely a position group that those teams would covet. And I mean, it seems like the Ravens are going to have their excellent cornerbacks back this year. So they don't need, they don't need these guys the way that the other two do. So yeah, this is a good choice, Dan. Yeah, and I think, too, like when we think about that Steelers defense, like obviously the front of that defense is so strong. Like I think I'm just trying to picture if you added like Greg Newsom and, and Denzel Ward to that, um, it would be some interesting looks for them. So, uh, yeah, and like Mary Kay was saying, like I don't think the Ravens need that, but you could see the Steelers or Bengals even taking that if they had the chance. So I think what's interesting in this discussion, and you know, certainly somebody could have said, well, the Steelers would want the Browns quarterback situation. But I mean, other than Pittsburgh, we didn't really throw out like, oh, the Browns would want Cincinnati or Baltimore's quarterback or Baltimore would want the Browns. Like there's a, there's three teams in this division that are pretty much set at quarterback for the foreseeable future. And obviously Lamar has his contract situation playing out, but you know, Baltimore can do Baltimore can keep him around even without an extension for a while. So I, I do think it's interesting, Mary Kay, that we're not really talking much about these teams wanting each other's quarterbacks. Yeah. When you look at it, uh, the Browns in Deshaun Watson have one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I've been calling him a future hall of fame talent. Uh, if, if he plays another 10 years and plays at the level that he has, he has that kind of ability. Um, and then Lamar, I mean, you're talking about an NFL MVP and Joe just took a team to the super bowl. So uh, you know, you've got some really, really good quarterbacks in this division. And, you know, the Bengals probably wouldn't trade uh, Joe Burrow for anybody. And, you know, the Ravens might not trade Lamar for anybody and, and the Browns might not. So I think those guys all stack up really well against each other. And you're right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the only ones uh, that would probably come calling on anyone for that spot. All right, so let's stay within the division here. And I'm really curious to see uh, how each of you answers this question. So, so this is a fill in the blank. The Browns, and this is obviously on paper, are the blank best team in the AFC North right now. Hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. 
It's a really good question and a really difficult one to answer because we don't know how long Deshaun Watson is going to be out. If Deshaun Watson uh, is going to play most of the season, and I've heard everything from no suspension, speculation only, <laughs> from no suspension to more than a year, uh, but if he plays most of the season, I think I would put them first because yeah. I, I can't see a position group uh, that that you know, that is really lacking. Uh, I really, except for like, as we've talked about, you know, they could use some defensive tackles and a few other things, but, um, but I just think now they have everything. And I think the defense is going to be so much better than it was last year. I think it's really going to take a a big step up and become a a dominant defense, much like, much like we saw the, um, the 49ers be when, uh, when Robert Sala was there and, you know, I, I just have, have a feeling that, that they're going to really make a lot of noise this year. Yeah. I was going to say it's hard. Like I would put them first or second, but then I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, if I put the Bengals first, because like they made it to the Super Bowl, it's like the Browns match up really well with Bengals. Like we saw it last year and I think it's going to be even more true this year. So I, I don't know. I think they might be first, but obviously yes. Like Mary Kay is saying, it depends on, on how many games Deshaun Watson is out. And we know what the Browns schedule looks like that uh, early on, especially things could fall their way. I think regardless of who is at quarterback, but um, two, I mean, the, the other factor in all this is if he is out for an extended period of time, like what does that look like as far as shaking the rest off, getting used to playing with these guys actually in these real game situations, not just on the practice field and in walkthroughs and things like that. But I think they're, they're in the top half of the division in, in my mind. <laughs> right, well, I, I'm going to be the downer. And, and this might be my overcorrection from last year when I picked them to win the division and go to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to say right now, third behind, behind some order of Baltimore and Cincinnati. I think it's close. I, I think any, any one of those three teams can win this division. I think it's going to be a really tight divisional race. I think Baltimore is a scary team with a healthy Lamar Jackson. I mean, we saw what they did last year with Lamar struggling early and then getting hurt, basically having nobody on defense, you know, their top running backs going down. Like, I mean, they lost their top two running backs. They essentially lost like the, it would be like the Browns losing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt um, simultaneously. They lost their top two running backs for basically the whole season. Um, I think Baltimore is a, is really good. And, and I think they're going to come back with a vengeance this year. I think Cincinnati, there might be a step back there, but I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be good again. Um, I, I think this is a three team race. That's going to play out all the way through the season. So saying the Browns are the third best team in the division, they might be the third best team in the AFC too. I, you know, I don't know. Obviously I don't, I don't necessarily have them that high, but like, this is a really good division. They, they could put three teams in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible, uh, and it is. It's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be a race to the finish. It's going to come down to health. I mean, like you said, look the um, the Ravens were able to stay in it a long time last season, despite the fact that they had Pro Bowlers dropping left and right. If they get a lot of those guys back, then uh, they can get right back to their where they want to be. The contract situation with Lamar is weird, and those 
things do impact these young quarterbacks. These are emotional guys. They have big egos. They have feelings. And, uh, and those contract issues uh, really do seep over onto the football field, as we saw with, you know, with Baker Mayfield. But if they get that figured out and they get a bunch of their guys back, you can never count them out. You can absolutely never count them out. And then I think there is a slight chance that, um, you know, that the Bengals could come back to the pack a tiny bit because they had a lot of, you know, a lot of things that went their way last year, as opposed to the Ravens who everything went against them. Uh, so I think they, you know, they'll be right in the thick of it, but maybe not just dominate everybody that they play. And remember, as Ashley mentioned, I mean, the Browns beat them 41 to 16 and really rattled Jamar chase and kind of rattled Joe Burrow too. And now I think that Brown's defense is even better uh, than it was back then. I know it is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think any one of these three teams uh, can go out and, and seize the day and it's going to be a, a really, really exciting season. But Dan, you're still providing bulletin board material for <laughs> the Steelers by not including them. Even though Big Ben's not there anymore, you still got to get those shots in while you can. I, I know, right? I, I can't. I can't give the Steelers their their due. I, Too I, much I, credit. But, like honestly, I, I don't think yeah. there's any case to be made that that the Steelers. I mean, they no. Look, they have either the best or the second best coach in the division. Um, it's either Harbaugh or Tomlin. So. I, I would never put it past the Steelers to, to be well, I did last year, but this year I won't put it past the Steelers to be in the division race, at least for a little while, but we just, we've got to see the quarterback situation and, and we've got to see what that looks like. Everybody else. I think we kind of know what it looks like when it's good. So that that's why I'm, you know, again, I, I think I would on paper right now, put the Browns third, but I think all three of those teams are really, really close. And, and the AFC North should be a very interesting race here. Um, all right, let's take a break here, and then I've got a couple more questions uh, on the other side. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So let's look specifically at the Browns. And I was thinking this during, well, you know, watching OTA practice on Wednesday. The Browns obviously didn't have a first or second round pick. So we're talking about third round picks and on. So this would be incredibly rare for something like this to happen. And, and I do think there's a little bit of like, I think sometimes we talk about these picks like they were first round picks because they were the first picks we saw. <laughs> it's easy to forget that these were third and fourth round guys, but the Browns player who is most likely to win rookie of the year is blank. Now, just to clarify to everybody out there listening, we're not saying this player is going to win rookie of the year, but if there were a Browns player who could put themselves in the discussion who do you think the most likely candidate would be? So my pick, I think, would be David Bell. Were you expecting me to say Perry and Winfrey? <laughs> I no, no. I actually was expecting. <laughs> I, I I'm kind of expecting David Bell to be the choice here, yeah. but it, you know, I, maybe you were going to say Perry and Winfrey. Yeah, I mean, he could you know compete for a starting <laughs> job. I don't know. Maybe he becomes a stellar defensive tackle and, and surprises us all. Um, not that he's not already, but just in a wide open position battle as a rookie. Uh, but yeah, I just think David Bell is going to have a lot of opportunities in the slot for them. So just sheer number of opportunities. And we know he's a high production kind of player. Um, obviously the speed is the big question mark, but I just think he's a guy who 
who knows how to use the speed he has in game situations, right? Like there's a difference between how fast you run a 40 and how fast you are running routes on the field and doing those things. So I just think he's in the best position uh, and in the best position group to contend for something like that if we had to pick between these guys. So Mary Kay, I would make a case for somebody else, but just keep it. David Bell would be my top choice. There's somebody else I can make a case for, I guess is what I mean. But the way I looked at it is a guy who's going to play, a guy who's going to score touchdowns, catch the football. Like that, those are the things that that would get a player like David Bell noticed. Yes, absolutely. And and David Bell was my first choice here too. But for purposes of discussion, we can throw out a couple of different guys. But um, I think that they feel like they got a, you know, maybe a second round talent or even possibly a late first round talent had he not run the 4.65. Had he run faster, uh, I think that they are just over the moon excited about what they have in David Bell. And they really liked what they've seen so far. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with with David Bell. You know, I mean, you could make a, a case for, for Perrion Winfrey because he might start the whole entire season. And if mm-hmm. they um, if they let him really rush the passer and he can get, you know, a number of interior sacks, uh, then, you know, that's going to stand out in the uh, in the eyes of, of the league and voters and things like that. So um, so you could make a case for him as well, I think. OK, I'll make a case for another guy, mm-hmm. Martin Emerson. So the scenario would be, you know, we, we kind of see how this is going to play out, that it's Denzel and Greg Newsom as you're starting outside guys, but there's going to be another guy on the outside who plays a lot because Newsom is going to play inside. So Greedy Williams is either going to be your third corner or Martin Emerson, most likely. Now, A.J. Green could maybe get into that mix, but it seems like it's between those two. So let's say Martin Emerson's your third corner, plays a fair amount on the outside, and has a bunch of interceptions that that could get him in the rookie of the year discussion. I, I mean, that's sort of what it's about, right? Like if you, if you put up the stats, I mean, he just comes in and, you know, gets good PFF grades. That's not going to get him rookie of the year, but if he intercepts a bunch of passes and is among the best rookies in forcing turnovers, then there's maybe a scenario where Martin Emerson could get in the discussion. Yeah. And I think with him, the interesting thing with the forcing turnovers aspect is again he didn't really get a chance to do that a ton in college he only had one interception in his career and he wasn't targeted a lot in either of his last two seasons so it it will be interesting I think to kind of see how much more he can he can give in that uh regard and just especially if he's not the top you know defensive back on the field for Cleveland you would think then okay he will be getting more targets because if he's out there with Denzel Ward or Greg Newsome people aren't going to throw that way they're going to test the rookie so I I think there's going to be more opportunities for him there yeah and just looking at him (laughs) like standing so close to him on the sidelines uh the way that we did on Wednesday man oh man I mean you can see why Joe Woods when he gets up there in front of us gushes about him his size when he looked at him he was like you know that's a cornerback I mean like he is he's a big guy um and he looks the part so we'll have to see how he you know how he transitions I mean he went against uh the best SEC receivers and that's meaningful if you can cover those guys uh you're going to have a much easier transition to the NFL and they really have seen something uh, in this guy. So if he gets on the field and comes up the learning curve uh, the way they want him to and hope that he does, 
he could really be something special. Okay, we're forgetting one. I'm curious if either you, either of you can think of, of the one significant pick that we haven't mentioned yet. Alex? No. Cade? Oh, Cade. Cade. There we go. I did write down Cade. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote him down, but... Is, I mean, okay. is there a scenario where kicker wins rookie of the year over like, like a, over like a first round pick? I mean, like, no, I think if we would have seen it, it would have been <laughs> last year, <laughs> right? Cut it down. Like it would have been Evan McPherson. Would have you thought, you know, if you're if you're playing with those scenarios, all that he did in that Super Bowl run for them and throughout the season and how consistent he was. Uh, yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Although, to be fair, McPherson kind of even though he was good during the regular season, his star didn't really start to rise until the playoffs, right? He makes the kick against Kansas city at the end of the year to clinch the North. And then he makes a bunch of playoff kicks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess if Cade York, like makes three 50 yard game winners in the first eight games and the yeah. Browns are seven and one, maybe there's a little buzz there. And it seems like Evan McPherson has changed the narrative on kickers. Like it's cool to talk about kickers now and young kickers so I, uh, maybe maybe the time is just right maybe this is a moment for kickers and maybe mike prefer will come to tears again <laughs> yeah well <laughs> al- allegedly yeah he allegedly. can neither confirm nor deny that actual tears were shed he said <laughs> right <laughs> good good old mike prefer all right uh last one here we're taking Deshaun Watson out of the discussion here. Andrew Barry's most important acquisition not named Deshaun Watson this offseason was blank. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Jadavian. Yeah. I'm going to say Jadavian because I think it just means so much to the rest of the defense. And you can see how some people were talking about about how they were sweating it out. But Joe, Joe Woods was nervous, right? Yeah. I mean, Miles had to, to pitch in. So I think they all know how important he is uh, to that defensive line uh, as you bring along some of these younger guys like Alex Wright. Um, so, and, and Perry, I went for you, even though he's a defensive tackle. But um, yeah, it means so much to Miles to have Jadavian over there on the other side. Nine sacks is a lot if he gets that again. Um, and then of course we all talk all the time about how, how well he plays the run. So I'm going Jadavian. He was one of the three guys that came to my mind immediately. And I think just like, if you look at this, the defensive end, the edge rushing situation without him, if he wasn't, if he decided not to come back for the sake of conversation, like you did miles, obviously. And then who's your number two, is it Chase Winovich, you know, and like, and like now it's like they have Jadavian, they have Chase, they can kind of use him how they want. They can have him playing a lot of special teams if they need that. Um, they can have Alex Wright, who they drafted, who they can really take some time and, and develop him. And he gets to learn from uh, Jadavian and Miles Garrett, Garrett now. So I, I just think overall the, the depth that he provided by them re-signing him is just so important. And it just puts this position group in much better shape than it would be without him. Yeah, it was it was Davion for me, or the other option was Amari Cooper. And I think the cases for both those players are the same. It's the drop-off from that player to the player behind them. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it was Miles Garrett's your one, Jadavian Clowney's your two. If Clowney's not here, your number two suddenly becomes a rookie or Chase Winovich, which you could probably get by with, but you don't feel as good about. Um 
with Amari Cooper, your number one is like Donovan Peoples-Jones or, you know, again, you probably get by with that, but you're still a little nervous about it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think the other factor with Amari is you got him for a fifth round pick and all of a sudden he's a bargain. Like when yeah. you, when you acquired him, what what you gave up for him, it made him a bargain. But financially, it wasn't a bargain. And then within about a week, it was like, oh, only twenty million dollars. All right, that's great for the for our number one receiver. Perfect. So I, I think there's a lot of factors there. Amari would have been my choice, but Jadavion was number two on my list. Uh, but just kind of sure. the the way Andrew Barry played that to just get aggressive, get out there before the market started. And you saw receivers coming off the board and then you saw the receivers that did move their contracts just blew up. Um, It it was a really smart move by Barry to kind of stay ahead on that. I agree. And just, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, I think with this front office, that they're kind of ahead of the curve in terms of the market. Like we saw it with Amari Cooper and then, you know, they, you know, we'll talk about extending Denzel as well, right? Then Green Bay extends Alexander and it, 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 it was for more money. Like they, they do make these moves in a timely manner, I think. And, and like we've said, we, we wonder if Amari Cooper in like a year or two is going to be like, hey, this, this salary is not cutting it for me uh, just because of the market around the league at his position. So um, those two were on my list and I did have a third and we don't have to have a full discussion on it, but Kate York, we just talked about him, but I do think they they so desperately needed a kicker. And again, like you said, Dan, Evan McPherson kind of, I think having a guy like that, plus Justin Tucker uh, in their division in Baltimore, uh, I, I think it just really upped the sense of urgency that they needed somebody consistent at this position. They haven't had it in 10 years. Um, and, you know, I said in the right around the Bengals Super Bowl run, like if they have to draft somebody, they have to go and do it, <laughs> even though sometimes it's hit or miss and teams don't want to do that. But Evan McPherson kind of proved that, I think, and and just made that sense of urgency greater. And they need somebody who can knock those kicks. They didn't have that last year. Yeah, all, all good acquisitions. And I mean, you could make a case for any one of those. And when you think about it, it really was a, a, a really good offseason if Deshaun Watson works out for them. Uh, if he works out, this was quite uh, a blockbuster offseason for them uh, to acquire the key pieces that they need to actually get to the Super Bowl. I mean, they did what they had to do. Again, we'll see how it all works out in terms of off the field and all of that kind of stuff. But from a strictly football standpoint, uh, it was pretty amazing. So the other name I would add is Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. He obviously, depending what happens here in the next couple months, could become a, a very important acquisition for the Browns to sort of make sure they had what they wanted at that backup quarterback position. So they aren't stuck with, you know, what, whatever their other options could have been there. Um, they, they aren't kind of stuck. They, they have a guy that they can sort of, who started before, who's been in a, a weird situation with Andrew Luck, where he sort of got thrust into the starting position and had to play a bunch of games. Um, there's a chance that we might look at Jacoby Brissett as the most important acquisition uh, when, when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, there we go. Five Browns questions for you here uh, on the weekend. Uh, we will have a full week of pods coming your way, so make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, where if you listen to your podcast, rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns Blue Banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Uh, one more week of OTAs, and then it is mandatory minicamp. 
I think Baker Mayfield will shortly become a uh, pressing topic again as mandatory minicamp approaches. So certainly we'll be talking about that a lot here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. But until then, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.